My topic this evening is Good Shepherd, Good Sheep. And my text from John chapter 10, verse 4, when the shepherd has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Today is the fourth Sunday of the Easter season, and throughout the Christian world it is celebrated at least in liturgical churches that follow a lectionary, as Good Shepherd Sunday. The Gospel reading is always a portion of John chapter 10. Jesus as the Good Shepherd is an abiding theme for Christians. The earliest graffiti dating to the second century in the Roman catacombs, where persecuted Christians worshipped in secret, shows Jesus carrying a lamb on his shoulders, the Good Shepherd. But why does Good Shepherd Sunday always fall in Eastertide? Because of the verb tense. As Christians, we say Jesus is the Good Shepherd, not Jesus was the Good Shepherd. And our warrant for asserting the present tense is, of course, the resurrection itself. He is not a dead hero, but a living Lord. And at the end of our Gospel reading, Jesus makes this clear. I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So Jesus has taken up his life in the resurrection. And we can say on this Sunday in Eastertide, he is our good shepherd. But what qualifies him, according to our gospel reading, to be our good shepherd? And how are we to become his obedient sheep? After all, our world is full of authority figures of all sorts, demanding our loyalty and attention. Indeed, the world is full of many religious leaders and spiritual advisors of apparent authority and power. In John chapter 10, Jesus warns his followers against false shepherds, thieves, hirelings who care nothing for us, wolves who snatch and scatter us. Assuming we acknowledge our need for help from a shepherd, why is Jesus the good shepherd, the one to be trusted with our lives, the one in whom we should put our faith? Jesus gives us two reasons in the Gospel reading. First, because he laid down his life for us. That is, of course, on the cross. And second, because he knows his own personally and individually, and his own know him personally and individually. Now together, these two reasons suggest the extent and strength of his love for us. But they also suggest how you and I can become his sheep, good sheep, truly a part of his flock. First, we have got to come to terms with the cross. If we reject the notion of his dying for our sins on the cross, then we don't want him 
as our shepherd. That is who he is, Christ crucified, folly to the Greeks and a stumbling block to the Jews, as Paul puts it in his first letter to the Corinthians. If Jesus' death effects a reconciliation with God that you don't need because you don't believe in a holy God who will hold you accountable and do not see yourself as having fallen seriously short before him, then Jesus is one shepherd to pass up. But if you can come to the cross and confess your sin and lay down the burden of it before your Savior, then you are in the flock, and Jesus is your good shepherd. But this commitment isn't just what you know about Jesus, what your intellect acknowledges and accepts. When Jesus says that he is the good shepherd because I know my own and my own know me, he is demanding a personal relationship and not a distant acquaintanceship between himself and you. In Hebrew, the word yada can mean either to know or to unite with. When Paul talks about being in Christ, which he does frequently, he means that through the Holy Spirit, he is united with Christ. He becomes one with Christ in constant communion. And that means he is fully known by him and always seeking to know him better. Now, I realize that evangelicals can irritate other Christians by talking of their personal relationship with God through Jesus so glibly and casually that it sounds as if God were a parakeet perched on their shoulder and nibbling at their ear rather than a mysterious and holy sovereign. But the evangelical challenge is clearly biblical. Jesus wants to know you personally, and he wants you to know him personally, if he is truly to be your shepherd. So a sacrificial death on the cross and a commitment to personal intimacy make Jesus the good shepherd. To be his sheep, we too must be committed to both. The Palestinian shepherd in the first century, and today I'm told, leads his sheep. He does not follow them. As our text says, when the shepherd has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Let's get honest for a moment. If you are like me, deep down, you want a shepherd who comes along behind you, letting you lead, and then tidying up the messes you make and getting you out of the jams you get yourself into. Very like mom when you were two years old. But if Jesus goes before you, then he leads and you must follow. And to follow him, you must be able to know his voice and to hear it in the midst of all of life's static and noise. This is very scary. It would be easier if we could study our Bibles and say, 
Oh, I follow, or try to, notice the hedging creeping in, I follow or try to follow the teachings of Jesus, but I don't think he has an individual will for my life. It's up to me to apply his teachings to my situation and to do the best I can. This is bunk. Any real relationship we enter into affects us and changes us. To know and be known by Jesus, our Savior and Lord, is life transforming. We are to learn to know his voice and listen for it every day, guiding, convicting, strengthening. This is the ministry of his Holy Spirit in our lives. And how do we do this? First, by developing a healthy and honest prayer life, one which employs all seven kinds of prayer. Did you know there were seven kinds of prayer? First, confession. Telling God what we have done wrong and asking for pardon. Lamentation, shunned by many Bible-believing evangelicals, but very important. When we complain to God about what hurts and is wrong and confusing. Praise, where we thank God for who he is. Thanksgiving where we thank God for what he does. Adoration, where wordlessly we contemplate the glory and majesty of God. Intercession, where we ask for the needs of others. And petition, where we ask for our own needs. A healthy and honest prayer life is the first requirement for coming to know the voice of Jesus. And second, by developing a prayer life which is nourished and inspired by regular reading and meditation on Scripture. Because a passage of Scripture will re-anchor us in the story of God's great rescue mission. Have you noticed in the Lord's Prayer, before we even come to our own personal needs, we need to rehearse the great rescue project of which we are a part. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the beginning. How dare we rush to our need to prevail in a calculus exam or a friend who's gotten bad medical news before we anchor ourselves in the great story of God's rescue. Scripture will do that if you will allow it meditatively into your prayer time. And third, by developing a prayer life which leads to times of active listening, where you stop talking to God and wait on him, like a servant attentively at rest until his master gives further instructions. Now this is tricky. What comes to our consciousness in these times of listening prayer that follow on the practice of the seven kinds of prayer and meditating on scripture may be simple distractions such as I forgot to pick up my dry cleaning. Or it may be a projection of our own ego or the unwelcome intrusion of some other authority figure in our lives. But it may well be the voice of Jesus, the good shepherd, 
who has gone before and calls us to follow. Test it. Is it consistent with what you know about Jesus from the scriptures? Test it by sharing it with a mentor, a pastor, or a counselor whom you respect as knowing Jesus themselves. Test it by sharing it in a triad or neighborhood group for others to pray about with you. But we must not listen with conditions. Your will be done, but I won't leave Boston. Your will be done, but I won't change jobs. Your will be done, but don't ask me to give up my Harley Davidson. Your will be done, but I'm not putting up with chronic pain or being single when I reach my 30th birthday. Hearing his voice is half the battle. Obeying it once we hear it is the other half. I sulked for a year and a half, distant from God and irregular in prayer because I didn't like what Jesus said to me when I asked and listened. It was a time when I needed to lament and didn't and when I needed the help of other Christians. But instead, I sulked alone. Don't do that. But seek for grace to obey when you hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. In the Christian walk, friends, if you are not moving forward, knowing the voice of the Good Shepherd and following him, then I am afraid you are slipping back. There is no neutral gear. There is no treading water in the Christian life. Either you are struggling to know and to be known better by him, to accept and receive all the benefits of his sacrificial death for you on the cross, or you are running away from him. I'm sorry, but I truly think it's that simple. So celebrate this Easter season by honoring anew the risen Jesus as your good shepherd, and becoming more and more his good sheep. Peter puts it this way in his letter. He writes, Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Amen.